0: Thanks for listening to the Faith Radio podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. I'm Carmen LaBerge. I hope you enjoy.
1: Thanks for listening to this special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio.
0: Welcome to the second hour of Mornings with Carmen on this July 3rd. It's a special edition here during this um, wonderful holiday week. So if you've been listening to, you know, the sort of the cultural commentators of the day or the activists of the day, you hear people championing freedom in a way that um, sounds like we can absolutely define ourselves. We can define our own identity, uh, even our own gender. We can eliminate unwanted um, children. Any number of other sort of self-defined preferences are expressed as freedom, um, particularly the freedom to choose. And the word behind all of that, or the word under all of that, is the word autonomy. And so even if you haven't heard or you don't use this word, you have um, certainly experienced it being advocated in the ideology of the day. So autonomy includes um, the ideals of self-governance and personal decision-making and even independence. So I'm not saying that all autonomy is, is bad because in those ways, autonomy is good. But like any good thing when abused or forced to carry um, burdens beyond its own moral weight, autonomy has become an idol and the individual, individual American self has become its god. So autonomy is the desire to be self-defined, self-directed, self-governed in a in a way beyond that which we positively talk about. Um, it's the idea of being unbound by any outside force, family, education, community, even country. And um, anything that would limit the full expression of the self in any way, by whatever means, is therefore regarded as bad. Um, so in this worldview of autonomy. The, cent- the self is at the center and self-interest is the interest above all and self-promotion then becomes um, the way of the individual engaged here. So autonomy or this rights, personal rights-driven culture um, is evident everywhere in, uh, in life today. And it breeds isolation, it breeds racism, nationalism in a in a negative way, religious arrogance, um, it breeds confusion and chaos related to identity, sex, marriage, kids, work, justice, power, on and on and on and on and on. And so when we talk about autonomy um, and it, on a day like this, when we're also talking about freedom, we have to talk about what are the things that God liberates us from. And what does he give us freedom for? So God has given us freedom in Christ from the shackles of sin and death, from the yoke of slavery in sin and death. And then he has given us freedom for a purpose, um, freedom for the building up of, of community and the body, for, for um, advancing justice, um, not just for ourselves, but for others, freedom for for the glorifying of God and the pursuing of righteousness in this life. So it's it's total freedom. You are totally free in Christ, but you're also free within the bounds of a restored relationship with God in Christ Jesus. And that means that as people who are free in Christ, free indeed, we also joyfully submit moment by moment in cooperation with the Holy Spirit at work within us. There is a relationship um, in freedom in which we are yoked to Christ, bound to him, become conformed to him um, within God's design by God's will and through God's grace. There's a process of refinement underway. And you say to yourself, well, that doesn't sound like freedom. That sounds like I'm, you know, someone else is, I mean, you're like actually like shrugging your shoulders right now and you're trying to get you know, like a, a bridle off, you're shaking it, trying to shake it off your head. Okay, so joyful submission is recognizing that God actually does know best, and God wants what's best for us. And so when we're cultivating the mind of Christ, and when we're cultivating a heart that reflects more and more of the heart of the Father, we freely choose, we freely choose, as totally autonomous people, we freely choose to do what is right and righteous in the eyes of God. Why? Why? Because our desires have been conformed to his. We genuinely desire to bring God joy. We understand that we're not our own and that this is our father's world. And we really do want to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So, yeah, you are free. You are free indeed. But that freedom is for a purpose. And that's to the glory of God. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio.
1: This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen Laburge on Faith Radio.
2: Dr. Linda Mental is joining us now. Good morning, Linda. Good morning. It's good to hear your voice again and talk to you again. It's
0: good to hear your voice again and talk to you as well. Happy summer. You have several things posted uh, on your website at uh, drlindamental.com that I would love to lift up uh, this morning. Could we just begin by talking about and responding to the hurt of rejection?
2: Yeah, something we all experience, obviously, at some point in our our lives, but I don't think it ever gets uh, to the point where you think, oh, that was fine. I was rejected. No big deal. (laughs) Most of us feel like you know, we weren't chosen, somehow we weren't good enough, or we weren't what somebody was looking for. And even when we know this, and so um, my husband's in the media and he deals with actors all the time and actors spend their life uh, early on in their careers getting rejected continuously. And so part of the message always is, look, it was a part you just didn't look the way they wanted or you weren't the the personality they wanted or there was something that they were looking for that you were not and even though you can rationalize that in your head emotionally there's such a, a an experience with rejection where it just feels bad when it happens to you because you know you weren't chosen and you know where you weren't picked and even as i'm even as i'm saying those words carmen i'm thinking about Jesus always picks us, and He's chosen us, and, and He He is the chosen, but He chose us as well. So this is this is a, a an emotion that is hard in the natural because it means that we weren't picked, and it can give way to a lot of feelings for people. I mean, you can get very very upset by this. Uh, this is one of the prompters we think sometimes when people get so angry about being rejected over and over and over again. That could be one of the motives for when people engage in violence. Um, and the other way it goes is you can get so upset over this that you can isolate yourself and not try again and get, you know, have low self esteem and, and kind of turn into yourself and think, oh, I'm going to avoid all situations in which this could happen. So it's a powerful emotion to feel rejection and one that we will deal with in our lives. So we have to know what to do with it.
0: Um, And so what do we do with it? I mean, you know, um, how do we effectively deal with it?
2: Well, the first thing is not to allow it to define you. So again, it, it kind of used that example with actors, you know, don't allow somebody saying no to you to mean that something is terrible about you or something is bad about you, because it may again be that you just didn't click with somebody or there was someone better qualified or, somehow i always think of the the easy one that we can all relate to is not being chosen from the team you know when they're picking people um we're watching this we're watching this really fun cooking show called chow house and uh and they have to keep picking teams for their team to win the competition on cooking and there's always one woman who gets picked last and i always think oh and she even said in one of the episodes you know it's really hard to be the last person chosen all the time and and know that they must feel that I'm not good enough. But she's always trying to rally herself around, okay, that doesn't mean I'm a bad cook. It doesn't mean I, I can't do the job. So having that perspective that you somehow are not fit for that position or that person or that job or whatever, but it doesn't define your worth. And that is really important because we know our worth is, again, in Christ, that he chooses us and that he sees us for who we are. And it isn't about what we do, right? It's about who we are. The second thing is to really determine why you were rejected. So it does help to do a little self-evaluation and say, hmm, was there something I didn't do as well? Do I need to work on my skills? Do I need to work on maybe, you know, being better at work if I was maybe rejected for a promotion or a job or something? So I do think it does help to, to stop for a moment and pause and say, what was going on that that didn't work or that didn't click or I wasn't part of that team and really take an honest look at that. And if there's something that you need to change, work on that. So that's always a good thing. Third thing I would say, and this relates to your, your theme this month, is that you really have to forgive in that situation if you are the one who is feeling angry or resentful towards that rejection. So again, we know what the scripture says about not letting bitterness get into our heart, um, you know, not to hold on to resentment to people, not to take offense when we've been rejected, but to put that, you know, into God's hands and say, "Okay, I'm I'm going to forgive that person." And we know that forgiveness is a choice that we make, that our feelings don't always stay I mean they're not always in concert with what we're thinking at the time sometimes our feelings take a little bit more time to catch up but we can certainly with our will say I choose to forgive that person and Lord help me with the feeling part of this help my feelings to you know either grieve or whatever I have to do but definitely put it in your hands so that's going to be really really important and then if you become angry because of the forgiveness and and because of the lack of forgiveness. And that's what I would say, why forgiveness is so important. You really need to deal with your anger in a biblical way. So you don't want to vent it. You don't want to hurt someone back because they hurt you. And boy, do we see a lot of that in our culture today?
1: Mm-hmm. I was hurt.
2: You hurt me. I'm coming after you. And this yeah. is where revenge and even a prompt for shootings and all kinds of things are involved in that. So again, remember as a Christ follower, the way we express anger is really important because the Bible says you can be angry, but don't sin in your anger, which means don't let it get out of control and don't take revenge on another person. You know, emulate Christ in your response. You can feel anger, but you definitely have to control it. Okay. And then let's, finally,
0: um, well, well oh. let's let's pause there and then let's come back okay. and do the next next two in just a second. We're talking with Dr. Linda Mental. We're talking about responding to the hurt of rejection. Rejection is something that we each experience. We all experience it. Um, Sometimes we also have to be the person in the position to reject an idea or an offer or an individual's participation. And so this is helpful on the other side of the conversation as well. Uh, We're not going to allow rejection to define who we are. We're going to consider why we were rejected we're going to forgive the one who has rejected us. And if we become angry, we're going to deal with our anger in a biblical way. Dr. Linda Middle is going to give us two more um, uh, ways in which we're going to respond to the hurt of rejection in positive ways as believers. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBerge. This is Faith Radio. Did you know that whatever you're experiencing today, whatever you're going through, the suffering, the challenges, the questions you have, God has something to say to you about all of it? We have an ongoing Reading Through the Bible Together series at MyFaithRadio.com, and we're exploring what God says about suffering, truth, and godliness. We're reading the book of 2 Timothy together. Did you know that God has given not a spirit of fear, but that God has given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind? I mean, how cool is that? It's in 2 Timothy that God's Word says of itself, all Scripture is God-breathed. And useful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that every person um, might be complete and equipped for every good work. So I'm wondering, would you join us in reading the Bible together at MyFaithRadio.com, that you might be equipped through God's Word for the good works that He's prepared in advance just for you, and that you might discover that God is with you right now in whatever you're experiencing—the suffering, the challenges, the questions. God's got something to say about all of it. Join us at MyFaithRadio.com in reading the Bible together.
1: This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen Laburge on Faith Radio.
0: Continuing our conversation with Dr. Linda Mental, you can find what we're talking about at drlindamental.com. The post is responding to the hurt of rejection. All right, Linda, there's a couple more things here on our list um, in terms of how we respond.
2: So sometimes, Carmen, it's 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 important to as you're considering what happened with the rejection, you might want to say something to someone because it's not always intentional. So I was thinking about this um, when in, during the break, and I was thinking there was a time there was an incident one time when somebody, a lady in our church, came up to me and said, you know, I, I had said something that really hurt her deeply, and I had no recollection of it I, mm-hmm. I what she said i i thought wow that hurt you i mean i couldn't even imagine that that comment that she was telling me was hurtful to anybody but apparently it was to her for whatever reason maybe she had something in her past that you know it related to and so i was really taken aback and you know what what we were able to do is i i apologized to her first of all i said you know not was not my intention did not mean it in the way that you that you have expressed to me, but obviously it did hurt you. And I'm so sorry for that. And she was able to then talk about why that was so painful. So that was a really good outcome of her coming to me and, and talking to me. Now, it doesn't always work that well. I, I want to say that sometimes when you go to somebody and you say, This was very hurtful to me. They may have intended to hurt you and you may not get an apology from that person. So when you do any type of confrontation of any type of negative feeling that you're having, including rejection, you always want to think about what is the goal of me going to someone? Sometimes the goal is that it's a biblical thing to do. So we are taught, for instance, in Matthew 18, that if we have conflict with someone, we need to go to that person. We need to try to talk to them first before we would bring in other people to help with the conflict. So you have to think, what is my goal? If my goal is to maybe repair the relationship or just let somebody know that their actions hurt, uh, that is is a reasonable goal. But you also have to prepare yourself that they may not they may not apologize or they may not give you the type of response that you need so that's important and then the last thing i would say is there's pain as we've been talking about there's a lot of pain with with feeling like you're you're not acceptable. So we have these this real strong need to be accepted, to be validated, to um you know be someone that people want to be around. That's in all of us. Our brains are wired for interpersonal connections, just the way God designed us. So when we have that kind of pain, you can look in the Psalms, you can see it all over where when we're in emotional pain, we can cry out to God he knows what we feel like he was rejected. He was a man of sorrow. It says in in Isaiah, he was rejected, um, a man of sorrow. So he understands that pain of rejection. So hand over your pain to the Lord when you feel that way and let him take that burden because he says he will if you give it to him. And he's not going to hurt you. He's not going to reject you. He wants to heal that part of you. And so he is the best friend that you can have in terms of talking to and saying, God, you know how I feel. You know how painful this is. Heal my heart. And in that process, just to go back to your theme, in that process, you're constantly forgiving that person and not holding on to any type of bitterness or resentment or any feelings of revenge and allowing the Lord to do the good work that only he can do.
0: That's so good. You've brought to mind um a couple of experiences in my own life. Um in in one case where I was the person who I mean, I didn't I didn't see it as rejection at the time, but upon thinking about my failure to follow through on something, um I could see how the person would have felt rejected. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So so somebody yeah, asked does. me to do so they asked me to do something a number of years ago and I um I didn't say no. I also didn't say yes. I just kind of left it hanging out there. And I've just been really convicted at, in in thinking about not only the conversation that you and I would have today, but I think just the Lord impressing upon me um, that this is an, a, a thing I had left undone. And so I saw this person yesterday at church, and I just was compelled, right, in part because of um, having thought about the conversation you and I would have today. But anyway, I apologized to her. I'm like, you asked me three or four years ago to do something and I didn't do it. And I didn't tell you that I wouldn't do it. And I didn't tell you that I would, but I didn't do it. And then I just recognize I've kind of been avoiding you as well. And none of that is healthy. Mm. And so Mm -hmm. she looked at me and she's like, so what are you talking about? And so, (laughs) you know, again, right. So that thing where I'd been carrying this around um, and it had, I had been allowing it to um, Bester. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And be a um, be a, a barrier in my relationship with this wonderful, beautiful person. So anyway, I said, you know what? I this is what you asked, and I'm actually like ready to do that if you're interested. And so she just, you know, lightened up like a little light bulb. And so we're going to get together in a couple of weeks. But um, so you yeah, never know. I think you
2: never know. You never know.
0: But and it's also it's not too. It's never too late to circle back around. If you're the person Mm -hmm. who is responsible for having rejected somebody or an idea or whatever, an opportunity, and you're in a position to turn that around, it's never too late. Maybe that's my thought on that.
2: Today. Well, well, and I think you're being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So as you're preparing for something and a topic, the Holy Spirit is bringing something to mind to you. And that's mm. really what we want to do is we want to be obedient to the things that God puts on our hearts, right? We don't always know the impact of that on somebody else, even if it seems minimal at the time. The Holy Spirit is directing you to do something. That's the time where we need to act and do what the Holy Spirit says to do.
0: That's so good. Thank you so much. There's so much other stuff we could talk about today. I really loved the piece that you have posted, what does it take to make a friend? And so if you haven't been to visit Dr. Linda Mental lately at DrLindaMental.com, I encourage you to do that. Um, You can read uh, the entire post that we talked about today, responding to the hurt of rejection, but you should also um, read what does it take to make a friend and well, everything else she's got there. So DrLindaMental.com, you should check out uh, what she's saying on the radio at other times other than this one. But thank you so much for your contribution to this conversation today.
2: Yeah. And remember, we have these topics on podcasts, so they can also go to MyFaithRadio.com and listen to a podcast on rejection and a podcast on getting uh, friends. Friends is going to be one of the, it's either there or we're going to do one on that. So got podcasts from you guys as well. Yeah.
0: I love that. I love that. Yeah. So you can um, connect with Linda both at MyFaithRadio.com and also at drlindamental.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Let's take a break for Breakpoint. All right, let's talk for a minute about how you're feeling. What are you feeling right now and how do those emotions or those feelings affect those around you and your outlook on the day. We're going to talk with David Lamb, and we're going to examine the emotions of God. He's going to help us make sense of our emotions by examining the God who hates and weeps and loves. We've got some books to give away today, so you can text the word book to 877-933-2484.
1: This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen Laburge on Faith Radio.
0: Joining us now is David Lamb. He's the Alan McRae Professor of Old Testament. He's the Dean of the Faculty at Missio Seminary in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, His previous books include God Behaving Badly and Prostitutes and Polygamists. So maybe a book on God being an emotional character shouldn't surprise us. The book is The Emotions of God making sense of a God who hates, weeps, and loves. David, welcome to Mornings with Carmen.
3: Hey, Carmen. It's my pleasure to join you today.
0: So I have a heavy lift because you um, have spoken on fairly regular occasion with my colleague, Bill Arnold, and he's way funnier than me.
3: (laughs) You know what? Um, God God makes everybody different. And um, so we're all beautiful in different ways. So uh, I'm looking forward to this interview.
0: So for those of us who, um, you know, maybe uh, perceive ourselves to be not terribly emotional, um, we, we've been taught to hold our emotions in check. We've been taught that faith is a serious matter. Um, you know, it's not to be joked about. Uh, God is a serious character. God is a complicated emotional character uh, can you first of all help us understand um why we're having a conversation about the emotions of God and then dispel this idea that um God's not emotional and so we shouldn't be emotional either?
3: yeah, great question Carmen thanks for asking um so I mean I think there's a couple different ways we could approach this um one um Theologically, there are some faith traditions. I mean, maybe not the the ones that some of your listeners are coming from, but I'm sure there probably are some folks out there that are um, coming from faith traditions that really just de-emphasize God's emotions. Um, And it kind of goes back, and we could talk about the philosophical underpinnings of that, but we maybe not want to do that now. But there are some churches, some faith traditions that just feel uncomfortable with it. And there's, there's some reasons for that. Cause I think a lot of us would say emotions are, um, sometimes they feel uncontrollable or, um, incomprehensible and, um, the, thinking about God as being emotional or maybe being kind overwhelmed or controlled by emotions or being, being affected by humans, um, just makes us feel uncomfortable, um and so I get it. Um, the other thing I would say is, um, I'm just a very emotional person. <laughs> and, um, uh, I, I tell stories about different times in my life where I've gotten emotional, even kind of the first time I ever, ever remember weeping. And, um, I think, um, and maybe this is a little bit more true for men, um, or boys, but in, in our culture, we can feel uncomfortable, um, being in places where, we are emotion uh, more emotional, and I think um for me, reading through the Bible and i'm realizing, wow, the Bible talks about God emotionally a lot, but I don't think we talk about that very much in the church, and I think when we do that um we are not serving people who, um, maybe like me and maybe like some of your listeners, are very connected with, them, uh, with their emotions and um, feel like sometimes in, in churches or in faith situations, these emotions can be stifled. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to help people make sense of them um, and even some of the weird emotions that we see um, displayed by God in the Bible
0: yeah i mean immediately you know some of the things that come to mind first of all you know like god getting literally like snorting mad um yes. as described you know in the, in the psalms with these like flaring nostrils um and then you know jesus being moved with compassion like at the at the level of the bowels like he's moved with compassion um jesus flipping over the tables of the money changers that seems like a fairly emotional response Um, And, you know, Jesus weeping like there are places where I mean, and he's he's praying in the in the garden and he's he's so moved that um, Luke likens his sweat to being drops of blood. Um, So there's there's clearly emotion here when we talk about Jesus. Is it somehow easier for us to talk about Jesus having emotions than it is for us to believe that God has emotions, because in doing so, aren't we separating the Father from the Son or the Son from the Father?
3: Yeah, and I don't know all of the reasons why um, people do this um, um, or maybe kind of ignore the, the the way that the Bible speaks about God um, and Jesus, certainly Jesus emotionally. I mean, I do think as we look at Jesus, the Word became, became flesh and dwelt among us. We can kind of see His humanity Um, I, I, you know, in my um, research, my readings, um, as I've been reading commentators and other scholars um, about Jesus, um, it's kind of funny because whenever they talk, whenever they discuss Jesus being emotional, like in the Garden of Gethsemane, like you were just talking about, it's almost like they say, well, Jesus is wearing his, you know, his human hat here. He's, we see Jesus's humanity here as he expresses his emotions, which um you know I understand that um the problem is Jesus was always God Amen. and man Amen. and so um when he's um he was fully god fully man and so when we think oh emotions are kind of his humanity we are somehow trying to separate something from Jesus's character or God's character, God the Father's character and I think that's not that's not how the Bible portrays God in the Old Testament or Jesus in the New Testament. And I think um it's uh we are I don't know misunderstanding or perhaps even misconstruing um the God of the Bible when we do that.
0: Yeah, we're I think we're demonstrating when we do that how just how disintegrated we are as if yeah. There are times that I am what? Uh not a wife um or <laughs> yes, not right. not uh, right or not like no I'm that's that is who I am. You cannot separate yeah. the parts out and you you certainly can't separate out the parts when it comes to Jesus. He's fully God, certainly. he's fully human full time. Yeah. Uh and so uh, I I think that actually helps me in this conversation yeah. about God having emotions and Um, It liberates me from this notion that emotions are irrational or irrelevant or bad.
3: Yeah, and one of the things that I find just shocking um, is how often um, not just the the authors of Scripture, the divinely inspired authors of Scripture, but also God himself in the Old Testament and Jesus himself in the New Testament— talk about their emotions. We might be embarrassed or we might kind of like, well, God, you know, God is jealous. You know, what do we do with that? But God talks about his jealousy in a way that seems to be very positive and proactive. So we need to make sense of this somehow. But Jesus in the New Testament and God in the Old Testament are not embarrassed about being emotional even if we are and um so we need to we need to take that pretty seriously and and i think for those of us and any of your listeners who are followers of jesus i'm assuming that's most of them we need to be talking about our emotions in the way like god does in the bible um the god of the old testament jesus in the new testament and um and uh, you know, following the example of God as we talk freely and openly and not in an embarrassed way about the emotions that God has given us.
0: We're talking with David T. Lamb. Uh, the book is The Emotions of God, Making Sense of a God Who Hates, Weeps, and Loves. Um, all right, introduce us to how we do that, David. So um, first of all, I need to be exposed to Um, or reintroduced to the emotions of God. You do that uh, quite adeptly through the use of the Psalms. Talk about why you're, you know, sort of centered in on what the Psalms have to say and how God's emotions are expressed there.
3: Yeah, and I think um, there are different parts of the Bible where we can kind of connect more deeply with God. Um, And we can do it through any part of the Bible, but there's something about the Psalms The depth um, and the Psalms, one of my, one of my professors says the Psalms are 150 things you can say to God. Um, And the Psalms are largely prayers, but these are just deep prayers, heartfelt prayers. The Psalmists are dealing with, um, you know, uh, lamenting over their the their sinfulness or the tragedy that has befallen their nation um and they and they're just sometimes they're just really mad and they're mad at God um and so this the psalmists in in some ways are echoing the 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 emotions that we see God displaying throughout the scripture but again the the psalms are all, again all inspired by God and God says, yeah you can say this to me. You can say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's Psalm 22, which we're probably more familiar with um, Jesus quoting that on the cross, uh, or Psalm 13. Um, uh, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? There's there's a depth and an, an intensity and emotiveness that we see in the language of the psalmist that, um, you know, I haven't been in a lot of prayer meetings where I see people kind of expressing um, emotions or intensity or rawness, honesty with God in a way that we see sometimes in the Psalms. And I think that that's – I I think our faith would be strengthened if we could appropriate those Psalms more fully.
0: Yeah, I think the idea there, this fervent prayer, this – yeah, yeah, this idea of fervent prayer. Uh, Certainly when we talk about spiritual warfare, I think that um, – Yeah, it's not It's not as if we can engage in that in a way that's sort of non-emotional. Um, all right, David, let's continue our conversation in just a moment. We're talking with uh, David T. Lamb. We're talking about his new book, The Emotions of God, Making Sense of a God Who Hates, Weeps, and Loves. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Did you know that whatever you're experiencing today, whatever you're going through, the suffering, the challenges, the questions you have, God has something to say to you about all of it? We have an ongoing Reading Through the Bible Together series at MyFaithRadio.com, and we're exploring what God says about suffering, truth, and godliness. We're reading the book of 2 Timothy together. Did you know that God has given not a spirit of fear, but that God has given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind? I mean, how cool is that? It's in 2 Timothy that God's Word says of itself, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that every person um, might be complete and equipped for every good work. So I'm wondering, would you join us in reading the Bible together at MyFaithRadio.com, that you might be equipped through God's Word for the good works that He's prepared in advance just for you, and that you might discover that God is with you right now in whatever you're experiencing? the suffering, the challenges, the questions, God's got something to say about all of it. Join us at MyFaithRadio.com in reading the Bible together.
1: This to is a special Best of Mornings way, with Carmen Laburge on Faith Radio.
3: Heart own God
0: the Father had a human heart. We often think about, um, you know, Jesus taking on human flesh to dwell among us. We don't often think about the heart of the Father and the emotions of God. David Lamb is here today helping us um, explore this. The book is The Emotions of God, Making Sense of a God Who Hates, Weeps, and Loves. Um, David, when you think about um, how this helps us, like, how how does it help me as a Christian to know and understand that God has emotions and that, like, that's actually— who he is at a character level? It's not something I can separate out.
3: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think, first of all, um, it's really important for particularly those—I mean, I've been a Christian for over five decades, and for those of us who've been Christians for a while, we can kind of feel like we can get into a rut. Um, I think for me, thinking about the emotions of God has brought new, um, I don't know, vitality um, into my relationship with God. So we need to be constantly looking for new things about God that may surprise us. Um, and so I think just even the the idea that God is more emotional than we might have thought about can help people um, in some unexpected ways. We're, you know, seeing new things about God. But I think the other thing is <laughs> we're made in the image of God. And um, we are very emotional people. Um, now, some of us may have more, um, uh, you know, have, ai a, don't know, a greater ability to expre- express a wider variety of emotions. Again, for a lot of men, I'll speak, I, I, I'm a guy, um, it, we can feel like a little more one-dimensional, like, well, it's anger. <laughs> that's, the, that's the anger. That's the emotion. But, um, you know, we are all deeply emotive people. Um, and even thinking about emotions for me has um, made me think about, um, well, as I have thought about times in my life where I've been emotional, um, it's um, it's helped me think about my childhood and the ways that my parents loved me um, and even taught me deep lessons about what it means for me to be an emotional person. So for me... Thinking about God's emotions has helped me think about my own emotions and my own life and my relationship with my parents. It's almost been a little bit like doing therapy. <laughs> so, mm. um, uh, but I think the, the other thing I would say is it, it helps us um, look to scripture um, in some maybe some new ways. And I'm, um, you know. When, when I talk to someone, you know, I speak on a lot of college campuses and sometimes I'm interacting with people that are either new to Christianity or wouldn't call, wouldn't call themselves believers. And I'd say, if there's, a, if there's a book to read, pick one of the Gospels. I tell people, Mark, it's the shortest Gospel. Notice how, how the, the authors of Scripture portray Jesus so emotively. Mm-hmm. Jesus um wants to connect to people um and and he's often connecting with them in 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 deep ways like when um his uh Lazarus mm-hmm. the brother of Mary and Martha um when La- when Lazarus died it affected Jesus deeply and um, and he wept at Lazarus' death. We, we read the story in John 11, and and he was weeping in such a dramatic way that the people around him in John 11, you can read it, said, "Look at how he loved him." Jesus' love was manifested in his tears, um, and not only was Jesus not embarrassed about that, but the the the, the gospel writers we're not embarrassed about describing Jesus in the, in the gospels as deeply emotively. And I think, um, (laughs) talk to anybody that um, has familiarity with counseling or psychology, and they will tell you expressing emotions is good for you. It's Mm -hmm. therapy. It's going to make us more wholesome people. It'll give us stronger marriages. If we can talk about um, now, again, there are times and ways that we can do this inappropriately, but um, like anything we do, the more we express our tears or even our anger um, or um, our joys, the more we do it, the better we get at it. And I think it'll it'll help our relationships with our spouses, with our parents, and with our children and our friends, our workmates. Um, emotions are a big part of life, and we don't always know what to do with them. But as we look to, uh, well... Yahweh in the Old Testament and Jesus in the New Testament we see examples of how to do this in a healthy way in an appropriate way um and I think that's um that's helped me
0: One of the things that you do uh in this book David is you sort of redeem hatred wrath jealousy and sorrow um from the characterization that they are negative emotions like right there's no negative emotions there there are ways that emotions could be expressed either righteously or unrighteously um right. but but the emotions themselves um are not negative because they're godly they're divine i mean god experiences and is characterized by wrath jealousy sorrow um and even hatred and so the emotion is not negative can you can you give us a minute on yeah. that
3: yeah, certainly. And, um, again, I've, I've spent a lot of time writing about, um, the wrath of God. I talk about that in my, um, God behaving badly book in more depth. So, but the one emotion I've talked, I've thought a lot about is jealousy and jealousy. It, it, we have a lot of, there's a lot of negativeness, um, negativity, um, maybe baggage um, associated with jealousy. And, and I get that, you know, we all think of the, the jealous spouse, um, the jealous husband, the jealous wife or whatever. Um, but, um, both in in the context of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, and then a few chapters later in Exodus 34, God declares that he is a jealous God. And I was like, well, what can we do with that? But the, the reason that God is jealous, and we, we could do something similar with, um, with anger um, or with um, hatred, but as we as we go deeper and think about jealousy, the reason God is jealous is because he so desperately wants his people to be in an exclusive relationship with him um uh, i I share the story of my wife i mean, she travels travels a lot she 's an amazing um, bible teacher and um she's a, a professor at my seminary as well and But when she travels, I can be jealous of her time and there are mm-hmm. there are unhelpful ways I can bring my jealousy can come out <laughs> um and i, I won 't go into details about that, but when I can say Shannon, I love you, I love being with you i 'm jealous for your time because our relationship is so important to me, then she can as- receive that positively. That's, I would say, I would call that positive jealousy. And that is the jealousy that God has for us. God knows that he is the only thing that can give us ultimate security relationship with god is what we need and we need it desperately and he knows that so all of his negative emotions his 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 hatred his anger um his jealousy what is behind it in every instance is love Hmm. and that helps me make sense of these
0: yeah, it's so good. That jealous for, not jealous of is just such a yes. helpful differentiation. Yes. David, yes. we got to leave it right there. Thank you so okay. very much. You guys can connect um, with David Lamb at davidtlam.com. The book we've discussed today, The Emotions of God, Making Sense of a God Who Hates, Weeps, and Loves. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. Hope you enjoyed that conversation about the emotions of God. If you'd like to enter the drawing for the books we have to give away, text the word book to 877-933-2484. And on this eve of celebrating the independence of our nation, maybe consider some other eves um, over time. Dates that were pregnant with possibility and hope and even birth pains. Uh, Maybe the night before the Passover or the night before the liberation of Nazi death camps, the night before a hostage is rescued, the night before a trafficked individual is set free, the night before freedom rings. People are walking in darkness today, and we have seen the great light. Let freedom ring. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. It's a special edition um, during this holiday week. Have a great day and God bless. Carmen Laberge. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast of Mornings with Carmen Laberge. Remember, it's your prayerful and faithful financial support that makes both the live show and the podcast available. Make your gift at myfaithradio.com.